man, I bought myself some really nice guitar strings, and I put them on that guitar, and then it broke. So, you know, the old saying, buy nice or buy twice doesn't apply in guitar strings, because even when you buy nice, they still break. But uh, I'm thankful that I got a backup. I got two, amen. And uh, the other one's a little rusty, but that's all right. You know, the Lord, <laughs> God's so faithful. And if we just listen to him, if I just listen to him, today something just told me, and I know this has nothing to do with my message, but, well, in a way, maybe it does. But uh, but today he just put dropped that in my thought. You need to change the strings on that other guitar. You need to change the strings. And I thought, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Ah, I don't need it. I've got my big breed love up there. I'll just use that one. And and uh, and here 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 I was in service and broke that string. And so at, when, when I broke it, I, I, the Lord was like, I told you to change the strings on that other guitar. So here I am. But, you know, uh, I'm just thankful tonight that I'm saved. Amen. The Apostle Paul went around the world and never had a PA system, never had a, uh, didn't even have the known Bible except for the Old Testament. And uh, didn't have a PA system, didn't have a microphone, didn't have speakers, didn't probably didn't have a lot of instruments or anything like that. But he turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. And so all we need is him. Amen. He's all we need tonight. And so I'm excited in the Lord. And uh, I, I have been praying and seeking God uh, for the last couple of weeks. And um, I had wrote down some notes. And uh, we're going to go back to Luke chapter 1 again, and I'm going to read a couple portions of Scripture, not like I did last time, but last week, uh, so Luke chapter 1, turn there with me to verse 13, we'll start there, but last week, um, we taught on, out of the first chapter of Luke, and I taught about the will of God, um, and brought out some thoughts in that, and um, but there's a lot of, you can read any portion of scripture and you, God can use that text and you can preach a lot of different things and go a lot of different directions and God will lead you there. Uh, you know, depending on the revelation or the message that he's asked you to preach and teach. Uh, but last week I taught on the will of God and tonight out of the same text, I'm going to preach something that maybe seems a little bit, um, Maybe like it doesn't fit there, but it's it, it very much does fit there, and uh, it's different. It's a different direction, and and the title of my message is a marriage in revival. A marriage in revival. Now, all of you unmarrieds, just sit back and take notes. Amen. Because one day you may be married before Jesus comes, and you need to remember this. What I'm gonna be teaching tonight because it's very important and uh, uh, so in Luke chapter 1 I want to pray and then we'll read this text father I thank you tonight for the time to come and to read your word to break it open and Lord even though this may seem like a uh, uh, odd text or to preach out of such a thought Lord, I know that you want to make a point, and I believe that with all my heart because you showed it to me in prayer. And so tonight as we break open the Word of God, I'm asking you to help me, to anoint me with oil. And God, speak a word. Let me speak prophetically. Let me speak God life unto these folks tonight. Let them see the natural 
and the spiritual of this message. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I do want to say this to you before I read the the, the text that no matter who's sitting here tonight, this will apply to you because of your spiritual life. And uh, our spiritual life is very much um, as a marriage with God, as a marriage with Christ. He's the bride. We're the bride of Christ. He's the bridegroom. And when we go and we have intimacy with him alone in our prayer closet, it's our intimacy. It's, it's very much like intimacy between a couple, but it's in a spiritual sense, okay? And so this is going to minister to somebody tonight on a practical level, a natural level, and spiritual. Now, the text says in Luke 1, verse 13, he said, But the angel said unto him, talking about Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Now go down to verse 23, and it says, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house, and after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and we know what that means, and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Now, I want to just speak to you tonight. This text is very fitting, and I'm going to tell you why. It is the only example of a New Testament marriage that saw change. I'm not talking about a scripture where the Apostle Paul or Peter or another writer wrote about marriage or the thought of marriage or the things that are contained in marriage. This is the only example that we read about where God entered into a couple's relationship and change came. Think about it, okay? And briefly, I'm just going to say that this is the story, the beginning in the book of Luke here about how John the Baptist came to be and how Jesus came to be. Uh, John the Baptist's mother and father were older people. And as I preached last week, Zacharias went into uh, fulfill his uh, priestly duty there. And when he did that, the angel of the Lord showed up and said, even though you're old and stricken in age, you and your wife are going to have a baby because God has heard your prayer. Their whole life was changed. Their whole marriage was changed. Everything in their relationship changed. And uh, it was a blessing. And so um, it's the only example in the New Testament uh, of a New Testament marriage that saw change. God saw Zechariah. And he told him, I'm sorry, the angel of the Lord told him rather, in verse 13, he said, your prayer has been heard. Uh, he also told him that life was going to replace the barrenness in his wife because his wife Elizabeth had never had a child. And uh, so the angel of the Lord says, God has heard your prayer, number one, and, and, and life is going to come 
from where there's been barrenness. God is going to bring life there where you had no child. There's going to come a change in that marriage. There's going to come a change. And I want you to just liken it as a a type or an example of of what God can do and and uh, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you married folks tonight but in verse 14 he said there's going to be joy and gladness that is going to be promised to you in other words there's going to be joy and happiness and gladness that's going to come into that marriage where it has been absent amen all right married folks Let me just say to you, your marriage can be beautiful or it can be, it can be a blessing or it can be a burden. And I'm going to tell you it's up to you what it's going to be. Well, what about him or what about her? What about you? Every one of us has to be willing to be a part of the solution in our marriage to make it what it's supposed to be. And I know there's probably only a handful of us tonight that are married in here, but we need to hear this. And if your spouse isn't here, just write down the notes and tell them watch the pod or listen to the podcast or watch the Facebook live. We've recorded it. We've got YouTube, we've got Facebook, we've got podcast. We are plugged in. Amen. And so, but <laughs> but he said in verse 13, your prayer's been heard. Your life uh, is going to be um, changed and there's going to be uh, a, 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 a baby that's going to come and life is going to replace barrenness. You're going to have joy and gladness that's promised to you. Verse 14, thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at the birth of this child. In other words, rejoicing will come to others because of your miracle and your blessed life. In other words, there's going to be an effect from the testimony of of your marriage, an effect from the testimony of what God has done in your life. There should always be an effect when people see you and they go, you know what, I remember when they used to fight like two pit bulls, but now their marriage seems so happy and so much love, and there's just so much joy, and they're totally different. We used to have a couple that came to church here, and, and when they got saved, their neighbor came over about two weeks later, and he said to the wife, he said, did your husband move out? And she said, no. Why would you think he moved out? She goes, well, I have, he said, I haven't heard you two argue in two weeks. And I thought he left. And she goes, no, we got saved. Isn't that what Jesus does? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so you see that there is an effect of a testimony in your life. And in verse 16 and 17, it says, And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. In other words, John the Baptist is going to begin to speak and there's going to be a blessing, and it's going to be a perpetual blessing. It's going to have long-lasting testimonial effect. Man, y'all, it's exciting. It's going to get better. And he said, and he shall go before him, talking about Christ, in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now I know he's talking about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus to come and he said, here is the Lamb of God. You know, behold the Lamb of God. We already know that I've preached that 1,500 times. 
How does it apply practically in my life? When Christ comes into your life, what he's saying is, in your marriage, because that's what we're talking about tonight, there is a blessing, there is a fruit, there is a testimony, and people are going to look and say, you know what, they've lived for God, and look at the blessing upon their life from their marriage. That's what I want. If there's somebody I want to pattern my life after, it's that couple. It's those people because I've watched their life and everything you can see on the external shows that there's no, there's no uh, you know, fake here. All you can see is that they love each other. It's clearly right here in front of us. I've seen older Christian couples. I said, man, what a blessing, you know, what a blessing. And so tonight what I'm sharing with you is that there can be a change and a revival that comes in our relationship with our mate. If there can be revival in our spiritual relationship, there can be revival in every relationship. Amen. And so even uh, Elizabeth said in verse 25, and I, I, I quoted it, the reproach of me being barren is taken away. And she hid herself for five months. And we know the number five represents grace. There comes a point in time when there's so much grace upon your life that you can't hide it no more. So don't you apologize for the blessing of God. Amen. Don't you apologize. Come on now. Don't apologize for the blessing of God. Amen. <laughs> you know, nobody's... I'm not... What I'm saying to you is we don't flaunt things, spiritual things, but we just live spiritual things. And whatever people see, they see. And I'm not going to back down and, 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 and diminish what the blessing of God spiritually in my life in a relationship just because somebody else's isn't where mine is or yours is. we got to just live that testimony. Amen. That's the testimony of Christ. Because church, the highest... A percentage of divorce is in Christian marriages. Do you know that people in the world stick it out longer than people in the church? That's horrific. That's terrible. But it happens. It's not supposed to. Because we're supposed to act like Christians. We're supposed to have revival in that marriage. And you can have it. There have been times me and Sister Skiles' love was on the rocks, let me tell you. But Jesus came in and touched us. There was a revival in our lives spiritually, and then there was a revival in our marriage. And I thank the Lord for that tonight. I thank the Lord for that tonight. You know, we were, we were uh, getting ready tonight, and, 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 and I, I happened to say something about something in our house, and, and Sister Scowls made a, a comment, and, and I just kept quiet. You know, she said, oh, you're not going to come back with something. And I, I thought to myself, no, amen. My marriage is in revival. I don't want to do anything to sabotage that. <laughs> what, no smarty mouth, you know, comment, no. No, 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 no. Amen. The Lord, I, the Holy Ghost tells you when to speak and He tells you when to shut up too. <laughs> Amen. 
So the question I have for you tonight and you should ask yourself is, could this be my experience? Could I have joy return back to my marriage? Can I have, you know, the presence of God return back in my marriage? Can I have the love for my spouse? Amen. Can I have that? Because there is a spiritual relationship and then there's our natural relationships that are connected with God. They're spiritual and natural in a sense because the Holy Spirit is living through born-again people but I can tell you we can have a solid relationship with God and it seems like that other relationships especially our marriage relationship seems to be so uh, you know unfulfilled and, and unsatisfying and, and, and not thriving and in revival but God wants there to be glory in his presence and his spirit and blessing in your marriage amen I may not preach this all the time but I'm preaching it tonight and we need it, amen? Because when there's an attack, I start seeing attacks on several marriages. I said, the devil's messing. He's trying to disrupt the home. He's trying to bring division in the church. And he starts with the home. And he starts there and then he comes into the church. But I've come to tell you tonight, we're going to be a step ahead of old slew foot. And we're going to give him a black eye tonight. Because God's going to heal and touch marriages in this place. So could this be my experience? Yes. Could this be my marriage? Yes. Now look at the specifics of this particular scripture. All of this happened because of one man's encounter with God. One conversation with the angel of the Lord changed everything. Isn't that powerful? That's powerful. Where there's not been life, where there's not been any happiness, where there's not been any children born, any life. And when I say life, I'm talking about, I'm talking about that which makes marriage satisfying and joyful and happy and a blessing. There's no life there. But where a man or a woman has an encounter with God and has a conversation with God, Everything can change. Let me give you a powerful truth. When you meet with God and He touches you, it affects every area of your life. It affects your surroundings. Especially marriage relationships. Satan works hard to destroy, to separate, to disconnect us from our God relationship and the only parallel on earth really is our marriage relationship. It's very much in type the same. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ. Did he not say to the Ephesians, Paul did, he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm going to make it very simple. And people say you make everything so simple, but it's just that simple. God knows that it can't be too complicated for us. So I'm just going to keep it simple. He said if you come and you just get before me and you spend time with me, if you really, really spend time with me, you'll come up from that place and you'll love your spouse like you're supposed to. You'll treat them like you're supposed to. Amen. And so the enemy is trying desperately, working hard to destroy 
to separate, to disconnect us from our God relationship, the same, the parallel relationship that we have, uh, or the only earthly relationship that is in type like it is our relationship with our spouses, with our husbands and our wives. And so, so um, I want to tell you that we must, especially now, be unified in our relationship in, in church, in our marriage, in our home. Because let me tell you who is for surely not divided. And it's the kingdom of darkness. They're very much in unity. Do you hear me? I can tell you the devil and the kingdom of darkness is in unity. Because otherwise darkness would not exist if they were not. It's the church and the people of God that need to come and be unified. It starts with you and God. It starts with you and your nearest and dearest relationship. And then it flows out to every other relationship. Your family, your children, your church body. So can you have revival in your marriage? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Well, let's talk natural and spiritual parallels here for just a moment in our marriage encounters. In Mark chapter 10 and I'm just giving you a couple passages here so you understand what I'm trying to say in Mark 10 verse 6 Jesus said but from the beginning of the creation God made them male and female not 24 other genders but male and female now they're saying men can get pregnant. I said they cannot. They may try to put some kind of an apparatus inside a man's stomach, but he cannot get pregnant. <laughs> he can impregnate, but he cannot get pregnant. It is ludicrous. It is absolutely ludicrous, the things. It's insanity is what it is. The, the Antichrist spirit has made this world mad. <laughs> they've lost their mind. They didn't have one anyway, but they've really lost it. And so, not 24 other genders, but he said male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. In other words, cleave means to hold on. Do you know what cleave means? If you really look at it in its context, if you ever see somebody that is rock climbing or they're on the side of a scaffold and they're holding on to rocks and they're trying to climb, they're cleaving to that wall. You're cleaving to that and not letting go of it. Amen. There's some folks in marriages that just need to cleave. Some of them never leave. That's why they can't cleave. <laughs> you never left your mama. You never left your daddy. You never left... To cleave. You have to leave and cleave. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain, or two, shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, or twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Don't let the devil try to put it asunder. Don't let another person, amen, don't take your counsel 
from somebody that's not giving you Bible counsel. We need to take counsel from somebody that's giving you godly counsel. What the Word of God says. Because there's a lot of philosophers and a lot of YouTube, you know, university experts that'll say a lot of things to you. And if you're watching these shorts and these videos and these TikToks and these YouTubes and all of these psychological people and psychologists and all of the gurus of the world, I can tell you, they're not going to give you biblical wisdom, but the Bible tells you that you're to cleave and you got to fight. Amen. And you got to cleave and you can't let no man put asunder what God has joined together. Praise the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 6, turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. The Apostle Paul made a statement, and this is actually in the negative concerning premarital sex or sex outside of marriage, fornication, adultery, whatever. However you want to label it, marriage is lawful in God's eyes whenever it's brought together and blessed by God in marital union. But he says in verse 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ first. And he says, Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body. Just like a married couple becomes one and God blesses it and it's okay, it's lawful in God's eyes, it's acceptable, it's blessed. Whenever you become one, because it happens, and what is what God says is blessed and lawful becomes something that becomes sinful to people that are not married. And he said, What know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body too, is what he's saying. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But this is on the sin side of it. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So flee fornication, period. That's a short sentence. (laughs) Flee fornication. We were in a men's meeting one time and the speaker got up and he was talking about how there's Men, he said, I can tell you in this building, and he said they're probably, there's no doubt, they're looking at pornography, and he said, I want to help you tonight. He said, I'm going to give you a word from God. And here's all the brothers, you know, up on the edge of their chair. He goes, I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you that's going to help you. And we're all there, and he said, stop it. Yeah. Knock it off. Stop. It's sin. Stop. Quit doing that. Oh, he just oversimplified. No, 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 no. When you make up your mind, God employs your choice. He empowers your choice. You know how I know that? From my own experience. When you say no more, God empowers that. I've seen people come down that were meth addicts for 15 years. And God delivered them at an altar because they walked away 
from that. They made a decision, I'm done. I've watched people, they, didn't wanna, they were done smoking cigarettes, and they, they, they said, I want to stop that. That's a bad habit. It's a, it, it, you'd stop it, or alcoholism. Or, I've seen everything, every kind of addiction or habit you can imagine. When somebody makes up their mind, they stop. Because God's not going to convict you or tell you to do something He's not going to give you the power to do. You hear me? Amen. That's why he said flee fornication. Shun the very appearance of evil. Run from it. Are you hearing me? And so he says here in the word of God in verse uh, 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now we're talking about a revived marriage. And what I'm trying to share with you is there's something that takes place when intimacy occurs, whether it's in your relationship with God or your relationship with your spouse. I showed you what Jesus said I showed you what Paul said, and it shows us how that sex is not just a physical act. Yes, I said it, sex. Come on. We're all adults in here. There's no sparks in here. There's no toddlers. Let's just rip off the cover. Well, you know, I don't think that you should have. If I don't teach it, the world will teach it. If I don't teach it, they'll go find it somewhere else. So let's just teach it. Must be taught. Sex is not just a physical act. It's clear here. God looks at it as two souls coming together. Leaving a piece of your soul with that person. And the reason that it is so pure and so blessed in God's eyes when it's monogamous is because one person leaves their soul with one person for life. There's no sin in that. It's the blessing of God. And so, but I want you to get this. That's why this generation is so demon-possessed, so oppressed, so depressed, so bound up with all kinds of things because they have opened themselves up physically and they have opened themselves up on the internet. They've opened themselves up to pornography and every spirit of the person that's putting on the show comes into them or affects them. That's why they walk around and they're so down and so beat down and they feel like they have no identity anymore because they've been with 25 people. And that's not even counting the people that vomited on them through the internet. Come on. This is good preaching tonight. So, you leave a piece of your soul with them. I've even heard people didn't even know anything about the Bible that said, I gave them a piece of my soul. I said, you sure did. And that's why you're so tore up. Because what happened is, it was just a physical act to them. But you left a piece of yourself. And the ugliness that they were and everybody they've ever been with and everybody that they've been with that's been with other people affected you. And why did he say that in the word of God 
You're members of Christ. And when you make them a member of a harlot. Because we are spiritual people. We, are, we, are, we have a soul that's eternal. God made us a living soul. With an eternal soul. You know, I know that we talk about hell as death. And it, or the Bible does. It's, it is death. It's spiritual death in essence. But the soul never dies. So it's eternal. It's an eternal soul. And there's eternal life or there's eternal death. And I, I, I think it's very clear here that it agonizes God whenever we don't have that connection or, or, or we're, not, we're not completely connected or uh, tied together with that one person that is our marital soulmate. And uh, God agonizes every time that somebody goes and they have uh, sex with somebody and you bring Jesus into that unholy act because he's the eternal God that gave you the eternal soul made you a living soul you know a friend of mine he's a pastor he's an awesome man of God he said 25 years ago or ever how many years ago 30 years ago he said I was just everywhere I was just living my best life drugs Alcohol, women, sex, everything. And he said, I, there was a young girl that I was with, and he said, I know that I destroyed her life because of what I did. And he said, I got saved. God called me into the ministry. Thank God he washes away our past. It's covered and it's under the blood. But that doesn't mean that it didn't affect people. Well, he was in a service about four years ago. And across the building, in, the, in a church, is a big church, in a meeting, he saw her. And he said, I went right up to her. I'm born again. She's born again. And he said, I knelt down with tears in my eyes. And he said, I told her, I'm so sorry. I was not right with God. I did not know what I was doing. I, didn't, I was just a, a complete fool and wicked and everything. And she said, it's all right. We're both serving God now. Yes, it did mess with my life, but yes, God healed me. That's the miracle of salvation. But the fact of the matter is she let him know it did affect me. But you know what? There's no hard feelings. I'm saved. You're saved. It's under the blood. God's healed us both. We're, we're both in ministry. Let's go on. Amen. And so, but the fact what I'm trying to say to you is that, that there's nothing that does not affect somebody in sin concerning sex because you leave a part of yourself with that person and they leave a part of themselves with you. And, and, and the tragedy is that Jesus is brought into that because you were created, I was created in His image. God made us in His image. He put in us a living soul. And so what we're supposed to be and what we do when we're in sin or even as a Christian whenever you go and you do things that you shouldn't do in your backslidden state you know, brings Christ into that. You drag Him through the mud in that area. We had a, a young man here one time and uh, I'm telling you the truth. This was probably 2004 or 5. 2005. He was in the church serving God on fire for God. And he backslid and he backslid bad. 
bad. He come back a while later, and and when he came back, uh, one time he came to service, and he was he he came into service, and at the end of the service, I'm trying to minister to him, and he was just talking real fast and everything. I thought something ain't right, and took me outside, showed me his brand new car, and I'm looking inside, and before I knew it, the door was shut, and we were screaming out the driveway, and I was like, oh my gosh. We pulled out. We went over those railroad tracks, and he went over them so fast with me in the car. This was after like a Thursday night or Sunday night service. I just preached, and the Holy Ghost moved, and, and I'm, I'm like, and then all of a sudden I'm like, uh, I'm in this car with this dude that is completely loaded. He's not just loaded. He's loaded. And, and, and we went over the railroad tracks so hard that I flew up and hit my head on the ceiling of the car. It's a brand new, brand new BMW and we're just and I thought Lord he's gonna kill me he's gonna kill me and he was driving like a madman and I thought I'm in this car he drugged me into his madness his anger his rage and his sin and and he wasn't even really talking I thought is he gonna run into a telephone pole or what and I just reached over and I put my seatbelt on and I began to plead the blood plead the blood and he went down and come back imperial come up Cyprus and he goes, I'm going to take you for a long ride. And I said, no, you're going to take me back now. You hear me? You take me back to that church right now. I'm pleading the blood. And he went over there, and we come in here, and I got out of there so fast. The Lord said, I protected you. What I'm saying to you is that there are times that, that it's like I'm giving you, I gave you that example that we drag Christ into the things and I'm telling you, church, concerning the sexual part, you leave a part of yourself. And maybe that wasn't the greatest of analogy, but I'm just saying that, that uh, it, it was never meant to be that way. Why did I say all that to you? I'm going to tell you. That's the negative example. Um, because I want you to know that whenever you're intimate with your spouse, I gave you the negative. I'm going to give you the, 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 the part that is lawful. When you're intimate with your spouse, there's something beautiful that takes place. And it touches your life. It touches your spirit. And, and, and it, it, it causes you to treat them differently. It does. And I'm going to say this. If it doesn't, then you got something wrong with you. You're an animal. You're just, you're just a, a, I don't, I'm going to use the word, a beast in a sense. You've got that... That, that man, flesh, self, beast mentality, if that's all you're concerned with is you. But it's totally different whenever it's in marriage and it's a beautiful thing and you come up from there, from that place of intimacy and you treat that person differently. You, you're, the way you are towards them is different. Amen? I'm telling you, if that's not your case, and it could be and it should be, it must be. As a Christian, because it's supposed to be beautiful like that. But the positive of what God calls lawful or blessed is a married couple's intimacy. We become one flesh. We leave something emotional. My wife said years ago in a, a counseling with someone, she made a statement that I thought was so powerful. And, and she was talking to this, this couple, and she was speaking, and she said, you know what? She said, sex. She said, whenever you have sex with your spouse, she said, There's, it's healing. It's healing in that relationship. Because you have that encounter with that person. And something beautiful comes out of it. It changes your whole demeanor. It affects you. 
Your closeness is affected, and, it, and you become closer with your spouse. Your affections towards them begin to change. Your attitude begins to change. Your desires begin to change. Your tone and your submission begins to change. That's why Paul said what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He said, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. There are people, you know, I can tell you that think they've got Paul's gifting and Paul's anointing. And I don't have to get married. I said, I'm going to tell you something. There's only a handful of people, amen, that I've known that can live like that. That's why he said it's better for a man to marry than to burn. So it's better for you to have your wife, and God will give her to you, or God will give that husband to you so that they can put that fire out. Let's just call it like it is. You know, put that fire out. You, 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 that God built us, and he made us with that drive, and that it's a lawful thing as long as it doesn't become sinful. That's why he said that it's not good for a man to be alone. And, but Paul says, if you can't, Contain yourself, let every woman have her own husband, and let every man have his own wife, and let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. In other words, the love, the duty in the physical in every other area, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. And he says, defraud ye not one another except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for, for, for your incontinency. What he is saying is that there is that drive there and you need to be very careful to be consistent in that because it's what binds you together and when it doesn't happen, the enemy comes in and he creates all of these things and brings temptation and everything else. Not just the temptation uh, because you're being defrauded or you're being, you know, you're not being fulfilled in your sexual life. But what he's saying is when that doesn't happen, it's not just the physical that you begin to burn in but you begin to get angry and you begin to become resentful and you begin to feel all these feelings well bless God I'll find somebody else for me if they're not going to be with me don't even tell me that the devil ain't never brought no thought across your mind you combed your hair different that day you say oh not mean pastor never I'm going to tell you if the truth were known and everybody were honest the thought comes across your mind. Well, you know what? I still look good. I can find somebody else. If he don't want me, if she don't want me, there's somebody else for me. And I'm going to tell you something. If that's not something that is healthily, healthy working in your relationship, the devil will make sure somebody does come across your path. At work or the neighborhood or somebody else. He'll make sure. Come on now. That's how marriages are destroyed. Going back to revival in our marriage, because that's what I'm wanting to say to you tonight. What I'm trying to focus on, and God had me go a lot of different directions, I have them notes, is that there is that, that something that happens in the physical. The same thing in the spiritual. When we meet with God, there's a part of us 
that is left there. There's a part of him he leaves to us. He gives us his very divine nature. We feel his spirit. We feel his presence. And we're different when we come from that encounter. Am I the only one that's ever been with the Lord in prayer and had a beautiful time in prayer and worship and cried and prayed and, and just felt the blessing of God and come up from there and just everything is just so much different? Am I the only one that's ever experienced that? No. We all have in here. We all have. I'm not going to go on and on and on, but I'm going to share this with you. He said, don't defraud. Have a healthy physical relationship in your marriage. In Proverbs 5.18, this is what it says. Okay, and folks, I'm reading you the word of God. You're probably never going to hear me preach this for another two or three years. So you better just get what you can get now. Amen. But in Proverbs 5.18, he said, Let your fountain of human life be blessed. Hold on, let me go. That's the uh, amplified. Let me go here to my King James Version. You know... If John the Baptist used it, it's good enough for me. Amen. Nobody got that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody said the King James Version wasn't written until 1,600 years later. So here, in Proverbs 5 and 18, actually, I'm going to go up to verse 15. He said, drink waters out of thine own cistern. He's talking about your wife. He's talking about... That, which, that wife or that spouse that God has given you. And in this case, he's speaking to men, but this qualifies for women as well. Drink waters out of thine own cistern. Amen. And running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad in rivers of waters in the street. And what that means, the reason I brought my Amplified is he said, so your offspring is not spread abroad as water brooks in the streets. Drink out of the fountain or the cistern that God has given you. Men, amen, or women. He said, let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roll. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. And he says, and why will thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? What he's saying is rejoice and be happy in the wife that God has given you, the husband that God has given you. And I love this in Ecclesiastes 9, 9. I'm not going to preach all night long, but I do want to quote this scripture to you. Ecclesiastes 9, 9. And this is what the word of God says. He says... Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of, the, of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity for that is thy portion in this life and in the labor, thy labor which thou takest under the sun. In other words, what he's saying is enjoy your marriage. Enjoy your relationship. Enjoy that. That means you have to invest in it. That means that you have to sow into it. But it also means that when you're physical, it's going to be the, the catalyst for uh, there being that harmony and that connection in your relationship. This is marriage 101. But you would be surprised how many people, especially even in church, that when you go to counseling and you sit down with them and you find out that there is no intimacy in that relationship when they're married. And I'm like, 
man, you guys are living far beneath what God said was a blessing to you. I'm just being honest and serious. I'm not trying to be funny. Your intimacy affects the condition of your marriage because something is left. Something is imparted. Something is deposited. Somebody told me last night, they said that they heard a preacher say that when a couple comes together, what is deposited and, uh, from the man stays in the woman for seven years. The DNA stays in her for seven years they have done study that found that out so what god is saying when i meet with you spiritually bring it over into a spiritual uh you know analogy when i meet with you i i I leave something in you i touch you i minister to you and there are times in prayer that you've never forgotten they're landmark times in your life this is a marriage with with jesus Love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's his bride. He loves that bride. He loves you. He loves me. There can be that revival in your relationship. And your intimacy affects the condition of your marriage. In our spiritual lives, every encounter, God leaves something there. In Acts 2 the, the Spirit of God fell. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to notice the change that took place in Peter. The man that denied Jesus, even though he was restored, is now baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he's going down and he's fearless. He was a changed man. There was an utterance that came from his mouth that was not there before. Not just the tongues, but preaching under the unction of the Holy Ghost. He was a totally different person because an encounter with God changes how uh, you, uh, the effect that you have and how you interact with people in life. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, you come and you're so different. You, I'm telling you, you can preach to people on the streets. You can minister to people, walk right up to them when you couldn't do that before, but you have a boldness in you because of the Holy Ghost. And so... His Holy Spirit touches us, and it's so powerful. There's a fruit of the Spirit that comes from it. God deposits something in us because the fruit of the Spirit doesn't come from you. It comes through you, but it doesn't come from you. It comes from God and His love. That's why when you're with Him and you come up from that place, you're just you're a different person. There have been times when I didn't pray and I hadn't been with God and I was my old grumpy self. Come on. Irritable. Everything's bugging you. You know, snapping at everybody. Aggravated at everybody. You know. But then there's that time. You get down, you pray, you come up. And you just love everybody. He leaves something there. One time I was praying, seeking God. I was down in my prayer closet when we lived on, I call it the little house on the prairie, but over there where Grandma Jeannie used to live, the little back casita where we lived. And it was a casita, let me tell you. It was a casita. Amen. There's just, you know, and I, I really emphasize the ita part, okay? So, because it was little. But 
I went into the garage and I was praying and I was seeking God for a couple hours. And I had come up to grandma's house. My eyes are all swollen. My eyes are red. I've been weeping and crying. I poured everything out. I was absolutely like a sponge so full. I was just walking up there and I walked in and there was a lady at the church. Her name was Michelle and grandma was sitting there and they looked at me and and she's like, Pastor, what happened to you? And I said, oh, I've been with Jesus. Let me tell you, I've been with Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I said, I've been with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm just, be, 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 be. You know, just speaking in tongues. I've been with Jesus. Grandma said, he's drunk in the spirit. And I said, praise the Lord. I'm just, I was so thankful. I said, I've been with Jesus. He touched me in such a way. I just want to love everybody. I'm ready to go out and just preach and minister. Love everybody on the streets. Compel them all to come in. He did something in me. When I was with him, he imparted something to me. So can your marriage have a revival? Yes, but it's going to require an encounter with God. And in that encounter, you will be a partaker of the divine nature of God. The fruit of the Spirit will come out. And, and whenever you, that will flow over into your relationships, especially your marriage. But in your marriage... There's a spiritual uh, aspect and the natural aspect. And in the natural aspect, just like with the spiritual, when you're with that person, when you leave that place, there's something inside of you that affects how you treat them. And how deep is your love? How strong is it? How effective and how affectionate you are? The closeness there. I'm telling you that we live beneath what we could have in Christ Jesus. And it's our own fault. So get alone with God. That's all it takes. I preach that people said, you, you say just get alone with God and get filled up with God and then everything will change in your relationship. I said, that's the answer that I have because that's what worked for me. Well, you ain't married to the devil like I am. And I said, well... Let me tell you something. I said, start showing love to that devil. Amen. Because he ain't a devil. He's a person. But start showing love and start giving what you have need of. And when you have come up from that place, you'll begin to love them and give them what they have, what you have need of. And I assure you, as you begin to do that, the love of God is shed abroad. The fruit of the Spirit comes out. And it will affect that relationship and bring healing to it. And the only reason that it wouldn't is because you're not obedient to what I'm telling you. So if you'll do it, it will work. He will work in you. Amen. You can have revival in your relationship. Do you want it? I want it. If you want it. And if you're not married, you say, I want revival in my walk with God, in my relationship with God. You can have that. And you don't even, you know, I can tell you, you're not dealing with a person, a personality that has a self-will that has to come in alignment with you, okay, to be equally yoked. You're only dealing with God, and he's perfect. So if you got a problem in your relationship with the Lord, it ain't him. <laughs> it's not him. It's us. And so... Let's work on that, folks. Let's work on that. Spend time with your spouses. Spend time with the Lord more than any.
watch as God moves because we're living in a time where we have to be unified in our relationships, in our church, in our home. And we have to be unified with God because the kingdom of darkness is unified. Darkness is unified. We have to be unified if we're going to see God move. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight. And Lord, I taught this. And I'm so grateful you gave me grace to do it. And Lord, I'm asking you that where there has been a letdown in some people's lives spiritually and or in their marriage, that you will bring healing to that. Because the Bible says that, man, that your people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And Lord, it's because we reject that truth or we've, we don't know that truth. But when we've been taught to whom much is given, much is required. And so I'm asking you to let this word go forth tonight. Let marriages be touched and be blessed. Because God, that's what you want for us. That's what you gave to us. And it can be the most beautiful thing. And it should be. It is a reproach. And uh, for a, a Christian couple not to have a happy marriage. Because what that is sending the message of is that they're not being obedient to you or they're not being alone with you. And so I pray for us all to have that encounter with you so that it will spill over into every other relationship we have. Please, Lord, I ask you for this grace in all of our lives in your Holy Spirit to convict us, to stir us, and to bless us because I want this, I want this place to be blessed in their relationships, God. And I ask you to do that tonight by your power and by your spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. God bless you as you go tonight.